Hey guys, Jim Cox, and I'm here today with an interview with Yvonne Taylor. She is the uh, founder of Seneca Lakes Guardians, a um, environmental organization that's worked hard in the fighting the fracking going on in or trying to go on in New York, and they were successful. Um, in that effort, and she's here with some news about a, a new issue facing the uh, the Finger Lakes. So, Yvonne, thanks for taking the time to chat today. My pleasure. Good to see you, James. Thank you. And uh, why don't you share a little bit about your background and your organization? How did you How did you get involved in in, in environmental activism to begin with? Uh, well, we were starting to learn about uh, the fracking issue. Uh, back when Professor Tony Ingrafia and Sandra Steingraber started doing um, seminars on the issue, we learned about that and we became very concerned about, um, you know, how the impacts of fracking would, uh, you know, damage our clean water and, and our air. Um, so we were involved in the fracking fight uh, for a number of years when we learned that uh, there was a proposed gas storage hub being uh, proposed for a, uh, it was a salt plant across the lake from uh, land that's been in my family for generations um, on the western shore of Seneca Lake. Mm -hmm. And uh, this company bought this old salt plant, not to mine salt, but to store fracked gas mm -hmm. in these unlined depleted salt caverns uh, that were never engineered to store anything, let alone explosive gases. And um, I, I call myself an accidental activist because uh, at the time I was planning to build a year-round home on the property uh, that was in my family when I learned about this proposal. And I kept saying, you know, somebody's got to do something about this. Why isn't anyone doing anything about this? This is a horrible idea. Mm -hmm. And um, there were about three of us that were sitting around a kitchen table who realized, okay, it's going to be us. It's got to be us that does something. Yeah. Uh, so we formed originally Gas Free Seneca. It was a single issue organization designed at, to stop this proposal. Um, and that was in 2011. Uh, we fought this multi-million dollar gas and oil corporation for eight years. Um, in the in the middle of all of this, uh, you know, we were also fighting fracking. Um, but after eight year an eight year battle and a true David versus Gol versus Goliath fight, we were victorious over this mm. this company. Uh, and you know, over that eight year period, we learned an awful lot, and we decided that you know we had really um, learned so much that it was it, we shouldn't just make uh, ourselves a single issue organization. So then we transitioned into the, what we call the Seneca Lake Guardian. Uh, we are uh, a, a Waterkeeper Alliance affiliate. Waterkeeper is a world-renowned, um, you know, organization that's fighting for clean, swimmable, and fishable water all over the globe. Mm -hmm. uh, and from there, we we fought down and beat uh, a proposed garbage incinerator uh, on Seneca Lake. And now we're fighting what we came here to talk about today which is uh, the Bitcoin industry and why we should be concerned about that. Yeah, that's when we talked about this originally, I was I was flabbergasted and stunned. But, you know, 
when I think back to kind of what I know, what's going on in the world, it actually makes sense what you were saying. And people should be aware of this going on, not just where you're at, but probably in other places too. I, I know in Florida, it actually has come up as a big deal. So, so tell us a little bit about, uh, about this issue. Like, um, what exactly are they doing that is environmentally damaging? Right. And, you know, that's the thing is that the learning curve on this is pretty all over the place. Um, some people know exactly what Bitcoin mining is and other people think it's just data. What's the big deal? Mm -hmm. um, so the first misconception is the word mining itself. You know, we're, the, Bitcoin is not actually extracting, you know, it's not picking into the ground to mine something. Um, so but what it is, is it's a form of virtual currency. Um, and it's only one form of cryptocurrency, uh, but this particular form that's commonly used as uh, known as Bitcoin uh, uses millions and millions of very complex high powered machines. And the machines are all operating to try and solve a, a, a growingly complex math mathematical equation. And whichever machine solves the equation first earns the Bitcoin. Hmm. Um, and originally it started as sort of a, a way for the disenfranchised to get ahead uh, in a system that was designed, uh, you know, to sort of push out, you know, it was, a, it was a centralized banking system that disenfranchised many people. And so originally it started out, you and I would have been able to mine Bitcoin on our laptops and we would have been able to be very uh, successful. But as the, uh, the process has gone on, uh, in order to be successful, you have to have thousands and thousands of these machines, machines whirring around 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And the problem with all of that is that these machines are extremely energy intensive. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, they're huge, they're huge server farms. Like imagine like, just tens of thousands of those um, old style t computer towers lined up in, in, a, in a factory building, just side by side running constantly. And the heat that it generates, let alone the electricity that it consumes. Exactly. And then you also need to have the fans to cool yeah. those machines down, which also yeah. takes energy. Yeah. And yeah. so, if you think about it, right, um, these, this Bitcoin industry, all of the energy that it uses is about the same amount of energy as some entire countries like Argentina mm -hmm. or Finland and Sweden combined. Yeah. Um, so that's a, an enormous amount of energy being consumed by this single industry. Um, and, you know, the problem is, is that at least in our situation, um, what what they're doing is well let me back up a little bit first of all um, countries like china and other areas are learning that this is so energy intensive that it's taking power or energy away from the public to mine the bitcoin and it's also undermining their climate goals yeah uh, and china actually uh banned uh bitcoin mining about two months ago so it makes sense that if you whack a mole, it has to go somewhere else. And this is what they've chosen to do. 
Exactly. So they're, the, the Bitcoin miners are coming in droves to the United States where there currently is no regulation. Yeah. And they're, they're looking for areas where there is cheap power. Um, so New York State right now happens to be the highest uh, co uh, producer of Bitcoin. We're at 19.9% according to Forbes. Mm. Uh, but, but they're also looking at states like South Carolina, Georgia, Texas, uh, and other parts of the country, uh, and and it's growing rapidly. The United States overall right now has the most Bitcoin uh, of any other country. Hmm. So they chose to set up operations near you, but what makes it unique is they're basically taking over coal-fired power plants for their own power demands which then brings on back online coal plants that I think a lot of climate activists would have said, hey, we're done with that one, you know, chalk that one up as a win. But now these coal plants are coming back online. That's right. So yes, um, on Seneca Lake, on the western shore of Seneca Lake in the, in the town of Dresden, New York, there was an old coal-fired power plant um, that had been shut down decommissioned, and it was going to be sold for scrap, which was exactly, you know, there was no need for it. Um, it wasn't providing, you know, there was no need for the, you know, power to the grid. Uh, and in, uh, uh, in 2017, it reopened, they transitioned it from burning coal to burning natural gas. And in the beginning, they, the company promised that they were only going to operate as what they call a peaker plant. So they're only going to provide power to the public in times of high demand. It was only going to operate at about 6% capacity. So nobody really raised their eyebrows too much um, because it was a need that was serving the public and it was a small, you know, it was a small operation. But very shortly thereafter, they realized that they weren't being profitable and to try and make up for that, they started installing these Bitcoin machines. Um, when they did that, their air emissions increased tenfold. Mm. And this is only at 7,900 machines. So 7,900 machines and their air emissions are going <coughs> through the roof. Mm. And their goal is to expand to over 30,000 machines. Wow. And, you know, in, in New York State, we, we do have a bold climate law that is geared towards reducing greenhouse gas emissions. Um, and this one facility, uh, now New York State requires power plants to factor in not only their on-site emissions, but also their what they call their upstream emissions. So everywhere from the drilling rig through the pipeline to the site and out the stack. So this one facility, if you look at their upstream and on-site emissions, would be emitting over a million tons of CO2 equivalents into the atmosphere every single year. Hmm. Hmm. How does that compare to the rest of New York? Like, is there a, a comparison there? Right. So if you want to, let's, let's take Tompkins County, where Cornell University is. Um, Tompkins, all of Tompkins County, where there's about 100,000 residents when Cornell is, is in session, uh, uses about that same amount of energy, 1 million tons. So this wow. one facility <laughs> uses as much as 100,000 people eating, sleeping, turning on their lights, doing their laundry. Um, so it's an enormous amount. 
And you know, New York State is trying to reduce its total greenhouse gas emissions to 15 million tons of CO2 equivalents. And this one facility is supposed to admit over a million. Yeah. We'll never ever achieve our climate goals if we allow Greenwich or Greenwich-like facilities to, to operate. Yeah, I mean, this is just such an example of literally shooting ourselves in the foot when there's really no need for it um, in terms of the larger scheme of things as far as with the economy or with, you know, GDP or production or anything else. It's, it's kind of a, what would you say? It's, it's an extravagance that we cannot afford, really. Honestly, I, I look at it, you know, here we are in the middle of a climate crisis. We're experiencing severe storms, uh, droughts in some places, fires in other places. And all of a sudden, these decommissioned or un underutilized power plants are being revived to, to make ma fake money in the mm -hmm. middle of this climate crisis. It, it's, it's not serving the public good in any way. Uh, it's all for private financial gain. Uh, with very little jobs being offered, it's it's to to us literally insane right now. Yeah, it's actually the ultimate of financialization of kind of risk that's been hoisted onto the public. So exactly. So where do things stand? I mean, they're cranking things up. They're getting things going. Like, what is your next step? Like, how do you, as an activist organization, then take action to try to step in front of the freight train? You know, I really do liken it to the beginning of the fracking fight, when people were just starting to learn about the negative impacts of fracking and how it's going to impact their communities. Um, we, it, you know, we're we're working rapidly to educate and inform others across the state and across the country for that matter uh, about this industry. We've formed a statewide network of uh, statewide organizations, Food and Water Watch, Earth Justice, um, the Sierra Club, NIPERG, and many, many others are working now together uh, to continue to amplify our, our message so people understand what's happening. Um, because the Greenwich facility is not an outlier. Uh, in New York State, there are 30 other power plants that could follow this same model that the Greenwich facility is, is showing us what to do here. Um, and so, I mean, literally, it would be devastating to our climate um, to allow this to happen. So Greenwich is a little bit of a test case. Yeah. Uh, for how the rest of New York State is going to fall and how serious New York is about its climate law. Um, so uh, in, in addition to educating others, um, we are also fighting the Greenwich facility tooth and nail uh, because it will, uh, like I said, it'll be the model for, for other cryptocurrency miners if, uh, if we don't stop Greenwich. Uh, so right now Greenwich has a um, Title V air permit that's up for renewal. Uh, the Department of Environmental Conservation's Commissioner, Basil Sagos, has tweeted that currently Greenwich is not in compliance with New York State's climate law, which is encouraging. Uh, so we're, we're hoping that the Department of Environmental Conservation and under the guidance of our new governor, Kathy Hochul, uh, will you know, make the right decision, deny the Greenwich Title V air permit, 
Um, there's another one right down the pipeline in North Tonawanda that's already trying to do the same thing as Greenwich. Um, so we need to nip this in the bud and we need to do it now. Uh, and, and I think that the, you know, um, these the statewide organizations are starting to realize that, um, you know, this is the extractive industry of the 21st century and yeah. we have to get in front of it. Yeah. Um, what you said that this is the first and a test case um, example. Are there other examples of Bitcoin miners in other locations doing the same process of buying a carbon plant that was out of service? I mean, is this kind of a, a process that's been repeated or is this kind of the first experience for them as well? Uh, you, in New York, it, the, Greenwich is the unique case in terms of purchasing your own power plant to make energy to mine your Bitcoin. Um, in other parts of the country, they're just purchasing, like in, um, in South Carolina, they just purchased an old printing warehouse because that's all you need is you need a building to store these machines in. Um, but then what they're doing is they're using power from the grid. Uh, so it's sucking away power from the public and it's increasing uh, consumers energy costs because they're using so much power um, that would otherwise be provided to the public to mine Bitcoin. Huh. Um, in parts of Pennsylvania, they're using coal waste plants to mine Bitcoin and nuclear power plants to mine Bitcoin. Hmm. Um, and so it's, um, you know, you don't need a power plant to do this. Uh, what you need is a space with cheap power where you can put a lot of machines. Yeah, no, the, the power plant aspect is, is the fact that they wanna control the energy cost of going to try to make it more profitable for what they're doing, right? So mm -hmm. you, can, you can literally plug in anywhere, but, in um, obviously we have rising inflation in terms of the economy and energy cost is one of them. And obviously this seems to be driving, this would over the long term make energy inflation worse because like you said, it's increasing the demand of energy within the system. Right, and most of that energy is coming from fossil fuels. So yeah. we're, you know, we're burning more fossil fuels and emitting more greenhouse gas emissions um, in the time of climate change, and that's just the wrong direction to go with. Are there organizations in Pennsylvania? You mentioned Pennsylvania. Are there organizations in Pennsylvania that are that are working with you in terms of this fight against uh, this type of behavior and with this kind of um, attentiveness? Yes, um, we're reaching out to uh, folks in Pennsylvania, uh, folks in South Carolina, folks in Georgia, folks in Missoula, Montana. Um, so, you know, we're connecting with people all over uh, the country and it's continuing uh, as the message gets out and as people are starting to learn, uh, we're net, we're, our network is growing, which is good. Um, but I will, I do want to point out, uh, James, that uh, this is only one kind of cryptocurrency. This Bitcoin is only, um, it's called proof of work cryptocurrency. Mm -hmm. And that's the kind that requires all these machines to be operating to, you know, um, you know, make Bitcoin and it's called the blockchain. Um, there are other forms like nano 
which is another form of cryptocurrency that uses proof of stake. And that uses one six millionth the amount of energy that the proof of work model uses. So I don't want people to think that we are anti-technology, um, you know, or anti-cryptocurrency for, for, you know, by any means. It's just, we, we, need, we, we need to focus on something that's less energy intensive and less climate busting um, mm-hmm. for virtual currency. That's a that's a great point to uh, to raise because obviously it gets to be a passionate issue for people on both sides, and you know it's important to recognize, you know where your priorities are. I mean, you can be in favor of one thing or not in favor of it, but I mean, let's think about what's really important in terms of with the climate and with the the planet and kind of the overall future situation for the species so what um do you have any plans in terms of activism getting out and organizing people in terms of protests and so forth or is it just right now a matter of just educating uh the public to to the issue itself well you know we have had a few protests already um and those are designed not only to energize the public, but also to bring media attention to this issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times the media wants to be at a, an event mm-hmm. in order to film it. So we, do, we have had several uh, protests or rallies. Uh, there's nothing like that planned in the near future. We'll see what the Department of Environmental Conservation does with this Title V air permit for Greenwich. Um, you know, hopefully they're going to make the right decision. Uh, I don't know if your uh, listeners are familiar with uh, the Dance Camera Power Plant or the Astoria Power Plant, uh, but those both also had Title V air permits and the Department of Environmental Conservation just, uh, I think it was a week ago, denied both of those air permits because they were not in compliance with New York State climate law. Um, so that's a hopeful sign Good. that the Yep, that the DEC will will do the same with Greenwich. The only difference is, is that Greenwich is a, is a power plant that's already in operation. So it's a renewal uh, of, a, of a permit, not, uh, not issuance of a new permit. So it's a slightly different case. Um, but at the same time, I, I think that New York State and Go- Governor Hochul uh, will do the right thing. Um, in terms of a, a larger demonstration, we may be marching in Albany um, trying to encourage Governor Hochul to adopt a moratorium on this type of proof-of-work cryptocurrency, um, much like Governor Patterson did with the fracking uh, issue. Um, you know, this is a relatively new, little understood industry with enormous ramifications for the state, and I think we need to take a pause to examine the impacts on our air and our water and our climate before we allow this to spread throughout the state. And I'm, I'm hopeful that Governor Hochul will consider that. That's awesome. Um, when was the New York uh, climate law put into, put into place? Like, is this a recent achievement or is this something that's existed for a number of years? Uh, it was enacted in 2019. And currently we have a, a Climate Action Council uh, which consists of a number of scientists and, and economists and other uh, you know, people from NYSERDA 
uh, and including the DEC Commissioner Basil Sagos is a member of the Climate Action Council and their, their job is to make sure that the guidelines that we put in place in 2019 are actualized and how are we going to get there um and it's a, it's a you know so most of the members that i am aware of are phenomenal uh dr robert howarth from cornell university uh is uh you know a renowned uh scientist on studying methane and methane emissions he's been peer reviewed with his colleague uh tony and from cornell um and he's i mean right now he's in glasgow uh, talking at the COP26 about climate, and he's on the climate action panel. Um, so that's, we've got some good people at work, and I think their concern is genuine. They understand the emergency that we're facing here in New York. Um, so I'm hopeful that this law will be actualized. The, um, does it have a a goal of getting to net zero by 2030 or 2050, or is it um, decarbonization? Like, what would you say the the goalpost is in terms of you know claiming success? Right. So net zero, net zero by 2050, I believe, and our our more immediate goal is to start moving toward uh, renewable energy. Um, we want to get to 70% renewable energy within the next nine years by 2030. Hmm. And that brings up another point that I want to mention about the, the, the whole proof of work cryptocurrency is a lot of people are saying, well, why don't you just use renewables to mine this Bitcoin? Why can't you use renewable energy? Um, well, that would be wonderful, except right now, New York State is all, the whole state is on about 23% renewables currently. And if our goal is to get to 70% renewables within the next nine years, we, we're on track to meet that goal right now. But if we, if, we, if we put all of our renewable energy resources into Bitcoin, then the state itself will not reach that goal. There's no way yeah. we'll reach that goal. So we need to use our renewable energy resources to provide power to the grid and to transportation. Yeah, I mean, definitely, we need to see conversion and decarbonization um, before you can get into the extravagance of diverting additional energy into high intensive energy outputs. So that's right. Well, I appreciate your uh, sharing about this because I'm, I'm sure a lot of people are not aware of it. And obviously, we need to make people aware that this is a uh, this is an issue and a growing issue. Um, if people want to learn more about your organization, how can they find out? Thank you. Uh, if anybody's interested, um, please go to SenecaLakeGuardian.org. And uh, there's lots of information. There's ways to sign up for our email list so that you can get more information about this um, and, and, and get in touch with us directly through that site. Very good. Um, Yvonne, I appreciate you taking the time to chat today and uh, would love for you to stay in touch and keep me uh, updated. I'd love to talk to you again about uh, your work and, you know, successes that you have, uh, you know, in the coming months. Thanks so much, James, for, for having me and I'll look forward to talking with you again. Sounds good. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, thanks.